Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Right. Good morning, One Life Church. It's so good to see you today. How many are excited to be at church today? If, if you are, can I hear a good amen? <laughs> it is so good to have you with us. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rhett. I have the honor, and it really is the honor of my life to be the lead pastor here at what I believe is the greatest church on the planet. Come on, somebody. Uh, hey, there are a lot of great churches in this valley. I am friends with some of the pastors here. I actually was on a text thread this morning, texting with several of the pastors here in the valley, just saying, man, we love you, praying for you. And God's doing some incredible things all across this valley, but I'm a little biased. I love One Life Church. Anybody else love One Life Church? Everybody enjoying your family here? And so, hey, before we continue our series that uh, Nick was telling us about called Pray First, can I do something? We do this every Sunday. I love to look into the camera and welcome our online church family, all those at the Nippus Civic Center. Throw your hands together. Let our online family know how much you love them. Yeah, you are our family. I want you to hear this. I love you. We love you. We're here for you. And uh, although we might be distant due to maybe you're wherever you are, I know there are people joining us from all across the country, and that is really cool, by the way, you guys. Uh, we just want you to know you're a family. And if there's anything we can do for you, even at a distance, we want you to know we're here for you. Please reach out to us and let us know how we can pray for you. Hey, one more time for all those who are joining us online. Come on, everybody in the room, put your hands together, show some love. Yeah. All right, you guys, before we get into the message today, I want to remind you of a couple things. Uh, the first thing I want to remind you of, hey, in a couple of weeks, our small groups, everybody, are getting ready to launch. Come on. If you're new here, what are small groups? Well, they are groups that are intended to be small. Some of them are a little bit larger than, than a few people. Uh, but they're an opportunity for us. Honestly, this is the way we say it here. We believe that life change happens in life-giving relationships. And so we really don't care why you meet, we just want you meeting and meeting your new best friends and having a good time. And, and I'm telling you, man, our small groups, it's been so amazing to me to know that we have more people attending small groups than attend on Sunday mornings. Like that's a good thing, y'all. I just want you to know that's not a bad thing. I'm very secure in making that statement. Uh, and I think it's amazing because what it is, it's a testament to your love for God and your love for people. Because how are we going to reach this world one life at a time? No pun intended, but we're going to reach it in community with one another. That is how life change happens. And so I want to encourage you. So we're kind of in this little break right now before our fall semester, uh, but I'm going ahead and making you aware because if you have led a small group in the past uh, and you know that there is something very exciting you're excited about leading, I want you to know that the registration is open. You can go ahead and register your small groups at olc.church. You click on the button that says small groups, or you can do the little Little, uh, link at the end that says olc.church forward slash groups. And so I also want to mention that because some of you who have been attending small groups and your life has been changed from it, uh, you know that the Lord may have spoken to you or impressed upon your heart uh, that maybe this past small group semester to take a step and to lead a small group. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to attend our small group leadership training that happens next Sunday at 11 a.m. during this service. And so if you can't make next Sundays, no worries, you can attend the one on the 29th. We're doing two small 
group leadership trainings. You don't have to go to both. You can just go to one. It's about 45 minutes. It's a lot of fun. And here's the bottom line of small group leadership training. You ready for this? We don't want you to change your life to lead a group. Hear me. I don't want you to change anything that you're already doing to lead a group. I want you to take what you're already doing, your interests, your passions, whatever that might be, because you, you're already gathering during the week. I just want to teach you how to make what you're already doing a small group so that way you can make an eternal difference in somebody's life. Can I get a good amen, somebody? And so if small groups have changed your life and you enjoy them, one more time, throw your hands together for small groups, everybody. This is something... This is something that we don't do. This is who we are. So you're going to hear about it and hear about it and hear about it. Why? Because we just love it. It is who we are. We're also a message note-taking church, which means we like to take notes. We just don't like to take notes. We love to take notes because we want to be, as I call a self-feeder. We don't want to just come to church on Sunday and say, pastor, pastor, feed me, and then not know how to feed ourselves Monday through Saturday. Come on, can I get an Amen. And so my job is to inspire you, to encourage you, to show you some things from God's word, but also to put God's word in your hand on how you can apply this in your life. And so message notes are online. If you're in the room today, you can go to olc.church, swipe down, you'll see a button that says message notes. You can fill in the blank. You can send an email to yourself or to a friend. Or if you're online today joining us, there is a button that says notes or sermon notes. You can click there and follow along. All right. You guys were talking about something that is very passionate, or excuse me, that is something I am very passionate about. In fact, what I'm sharing with you today has completely revolutionized my, revol my, my relationship with God. It really has. What I'm talking to you today isn't just something on a page that looks good, that sounds good, but what I'm talking to you today, that if you'll apply it to your life, it will literally transform your life and more than that it will transform our world and I mean that and I'm not just trying to give you some what I call Christianese from a pastor the things that we're supposed to say to kind of hook you into listening for the next you know 30 minutes or so but I really mean this I have a passion for what I'm about to share with you the topic that I'm bringing to you today is on the topic of prayer everybody say prayer it's something that we as men and women of God know we should be doing, but oftentimes we don't do it. Why? Because oftentimes we don't know how. It may seem hard. It may seem difficult. And it may seem just, it's just unattractive. And the reason is, is because many of us have probably had bad experiences. Or let's be honest, we grew up in a church that said, I need you to pray. And we're like, okay, pastor, tell me how. And you never get the how, Right. And so my job as a pastor is to lead you, is to teach you, and is to show you how. And so today's message in this series really is all about how to pray and how to access God, how to have a conversation with God that changes your life and that changes the world. And so I defined the word prayer last week, and I want to define it again. So what is prayer? Let's think about that for a second. What is it? Prayer is simply a conversation with God. This is Pastor Rhett's definition. So why is it important? Well, let me tell you why it's important. The reason it's important is because the way I like to say it is prayer is the path of God's power, God's provision, and God's promises for your life and our world. Amen. In other words, prayer is a divine 
exchange. It's an exchange for our inability, for his ability and his power. It's an exchange from our lack to his abundance of provision. It's an exchange from our weakness for his strength. It's a divine exchange that has the power to transform your life and transform our world. And this is why we go into a season called 21 Days of Prayer. 21 Days of Prayer is something that is happening right now. Actually, today is day nine. We started it last Sunday. It happens Monday through Friday at our church office, just a couple of miles down the road. Uh, go up Caldwell Boulevard. You're in Caldwell. Hang a left on Eustick. And we're about a quarter mile behind the Walmart in Eustick. And what we're doing in that office is that I'm honestly wanting to teach you. I'm wanting to train you. I'm wanting to lead you into how to have a conversation with God and how to access his power, how to access his provision, and how to access his promises for your life and our world. I want to teach you how your life can change by having a conversation with God. And my hope today, my hope is that you would be saying, you know what, Pastorette, I really want to learn this. Like I want, I mean, like who doesn't want the power and the promise and the provision of God? Like I want that. But if you're here today and you say, I want it, but if you're honest enough to say, I just, I've just never been taught how, I don't know how. I just want to say, if that's you today in this room or online, Welcome to humanity. Welcome to real life. Welcome to just trying to, to take a next step. Because even Jesus' disciples, they didn't even truly know how to pray. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when Jesus finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? In other words, one of his disciples came along and said, hey, listen, Jesus, will you show me how to have a conversation with God like you have a conversation with God? Because whatever that is, man, that looks enjoyable. That looks fun. That looks authentic. And not only does it look fun, enjoyable, and authentic, but something powerful is happening, Jesus, when you pray. And I want to get in on that. I want to learn, Jesus, how to access the provision of God that you've been telling us about. I want to learn, Jesus, how to access the power of God that you've been telling me about. I want to learn, Jesus, how, how that my life can be transformed so I can change the world through a conversation with God. And so Jesus responds with a verse I read last week, and it really is kind of where we get the guideline of our series. It's what the series is all about. And so he gives us this in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Many of us have heard this prayer, but let's be honest. Many of us, we haven't heard the prayer. In other words, many of us have missed the beautiful truth and the power that Jesus Christ is laying out here because what Jesus is not doing 
Jesus is not just saying, hey guys, if you'll just say these words, that'll be a great prayer. Your life will be changed. No, he's not trying to give us some religious liturgy to repeat, to repeat, and to repeat. No, what Jesus Christ, the son of God is doing is he's saying, hey, if you'll tap into what I'm giving you here, I'm actually giving you a guide. I'm giving you the divine flow of how to approach the living God so that your life can be transformed and so that you can change the world. This is what Jesus is doing. And within this verse, we see seven things that I'm outlining to you today that, do, that has the power to change your life. And so last week, I gave you the first three, and we're gonna recap those real quick. And he says this, he says, our Father in heaven, Everybody say Father. Father. Our Father in heaven. So Jesus says, hey guys, this is where you've been missing it. You haven't connected with God relationally. And that is the very first thing you have to understand when it comes to approaching God and involving him into the process of your life so that you can have the power that will transform you and the world. It begins with an authentic, real, honest, vulnerable connection in a relationship with God. In other words, God isn't interested in your religion in the words of how fancy or things you can say or not say. God is only interested in relationship. Then I share this verse out of Romans 8, 15. You have not, be reminded today, my friends, you and I, we have not received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. Instead, you and I, my friends, we have received a spirit from God when he adopted us, check this out, as his own children. Y'all don't miss this. Please don't just come to church and have your ears just kind of buried in whatever's coming up next. You need to hear this. You and I, my friend, through Christ Jesus, have been adopted into the family of the living God. And he considers you a son or a daughter. You are his child. That is a great place to get excited, to shout hallelujah, and to do a little dance. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you are a guest today, I've never done that in my entire life on the platform. That's the first. God loves it when you approach him as a father who just says, Daddy, I just want to be close to you. Really, Rhett? Yeah, look at the rest of the verse. Now we call him. We call him Abba, Father. By the way, this word Abba is from the Greek. It's the Greek equivalent to our American culture of daddy. Now we get to call him daddy. And by the way, God's favorite name for you to call him is father. And so every day, what I'm trying to teach you is, and just involve God in the process when your eyes wake, you know, open in the morning, before you get out of bed, may the first breath that you breathe with words be, good morning, father. I love you. There's something powerful that happens when you approach God in a divine order, in a divine flow that Jesus is laying out. And I'm telling you, if you'll tap into this, it will change your prayer life. It'll change your family. It has the potential to change your situations, your outcomes. It has the potential to bring healing. It has the potential to do miracle working power in your life and our world. It begins with connecting with God relationally. Number two, what we covered last week was 
Once we've connected with God relationally, Jesus says now, hallowed be your name. In other words, now it's time to honor God's name. It's time to worship his name. And by the way, worship isn't just two to three songs on a Sunday morning. Now that can be worship, but that's not worship. Those are songs. Worship is when a heart connects with God and his truth. And worshiping his name is saying, God, I'm running to you. I'm coming to the promise that rests in your name. Proverbs 18.10, God's name, look at this, is a place of protection. The righteous, that's you and I through Jesus Christ. We can run there and we can find safety. We can find protection. We can find peace. We can find life. We can find reflection, uh, refreshing. I'm telling you, there's power and there is purpose in his name. And so as we approach him, God, good morning, <laughs> Father. And we just begin to worship his name. And what I taught you last week, there's so many different names that God has. But here's just a few. I'm put them back on the screen. And I just want to encourage you just to begin to say, God, I worship your name. You're, you're my righteousness. Lord, I, I made right with you because of Jesus. And I find safety. I find protection in that truth. And I run to that name today. God, you're my sanctifier. That means, God, you're not through with me yet. You've called me. You've set me apart. And because of what you're doing in my life through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I just find safety, refuge, and strength today in the name that you're my sanctification. Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd. Lord, I run to you as a shepherd today. Your word says that you're a good shepherd. You're kind. You're loving. You're so gracious to us. In fact, you make us lie down in green pastures. God, you lead me beside still waters. In other words, you create environments for me to find rest. And because of that, I find protection. I find strength in that name. I worship your name. I run to that name. God, today, I run to you as my healer. God, that name is so amazing because what it tells me is that God, no matter what kind of sickness tries to attach itself to my body, because of the spirit of God in me, I run to the name that is above every name and I find healing and I find strength in that name. And my body has to line up according to your word that says I'm whole and healed. Why? Because I find protection and refuge and strength when I run to that name. God, I run to the name that you are my provider. Lord, you provide every one of my needs. Before I even knew I needed it, God, Lord, you provided. You're awesome. And I run to that name today. You're my father and I worship you and I honor your name. I'm telling you, when you begin to approach God, excuse me, I got a peppermint in my mouth. <coughs> Will you throw me a water, please? <clears throat> when you begin to approach God with a heart of connecting with the flow that Jesus Christ is laying out here, things change. Something powerful happens and it transforms your life. Here's the third thing Jesus taught us last week. And then, what does he say? He says, now, now your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, now it's time to pray his agenda first. In other words, what is this saying? Hey, have you noticed so far, none of this has been about us yet? Right? 
It's all about who? It's the Father. It's worshiping his name. And then check this out. Now he said, hey, uh, I don't mind you praying about your needs yet, but kind of hold up on that. Right now, I need you to pray for what's on my prayer list. I need you to get your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on the other people. I need you to pray for what's on my heart and what is my kingdom purpose. Well, what is that, Jesus? Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man, the reason I came was to seek and to save the lost. This is God's single greatest purpose in your life. And when you begin to align your heart with what he loves and what he cares about, oh, my friends, I'm telling you, something powerful happens. Oh, that's my son. Man, that's my daughter. Oh, man, he came to me as a father. Oh, my goodness, he's worshiping my name. I just want to bless him. Oh, my goodness, before he even asks for what he needs. Lord, I mean, like he, he's coming to me and he's saying, God, I want to pray for what's on your heart. I'm telling you, if you want your prayer life to be radically transformed, if you want to experience the power, the presence, the provision of God in your life, I'm telling you, if you want to enjoy prayer, it begins when we take our eyes off of me and we put our eyes onto we. It's all about other people. This is what is on God's heart. And so we pray for the lost. And I love this, Luke 12, 31 Because if you'll pray for the lost, if you'll pray for others, look at the promise. He'll always give you all you need from day to day. If what? If you'll do what's on his mind first, praying his agenda. If you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And so here's my prayer. Father, good morning. Lord, I worship your name. Lord, (laughs) I'm coming before you and I'm praying for the lost today. I'm praying that they would be found in Jesus' name. I'm telling you something powerful happens when we pray and approach God through the divine flow and guide that Jesus lays out to us. And so I'm really passionate about this. So those are the first three So today, I know it's not March, but we're going to do a little bit March Madness, okay? I'm going to give you the final four. That's where we're going today. I'm giving you the final four. So when it comes to having a conversation with God that will change your life and will change our world after we pray for others, well, now, guess what? We can make it about ourselves. Look at what Jesus says. Give us this day, whose day? Our day, our daily bread. In other words, what are we saying? Write this down. Depending on him for everything. We're gonna depend on him for everything. In other words, what we're gonna say is, God, everything I have is because of you. And everything I need, everything I need, God, it comes from you. In fact, David said this in Psalm 121, verse one through two. Look at this. He says, you know, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Like, put it in context. I look over to Bogus Basin, (laughs) Does my help come from there? Now, I look over to Stanley. Man, how majestic those mountains are, man. Do I look over there? Do I look to Cascade? Do I look to McCall? Do I look to the incredible Rocky Mountains in the Idaho? No, 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 I don't. Does my help come from there? No. Does my help come from the government on Capitol Hill? Does my help come from my tax return? Does my help come from the stimulus? Does my help come from my mom or my dad or my aunt or my uncle? Does my help come from my employer? All good things, but no, my help, David said, my help comes from the living God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. This is where my help comes from. 
And I'm telling you, when you begin to approach God with this dependency upon God, woo, puts a smile on his face. In fact, look at this, Psalm 147, 11, if you don't believe me. The Lord delights. Hang out there for a moment. You know what that word delights means? It means he takes pleasure and puts a smile on his face. How? The Lord delights in those who have this reverent awe and respect for him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. What's this saying? It's saying that God finds joy in those who put their dependence upon him in everything. I don't know if you're getting this quite yet. I don't know about you, but I want God to be delighted over my life. Read that selfish. I don't care. I want God to take delight in me. I want God to take delight in you. I want God to smile upon you and favor you and bless you and minister into miracle working power in your life in this world. I want God to take delight in you. Why? Proverbs 16, 15, because when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords smiles, whoo, there is life. Not only life, his favor refreshes like a spring rain that we so desperately need right now in Idaho in the Pacific Northwest, right? When the king smiles, when he's delighted, it brings life. My friends, I want your family. I want your marriage. I want your home. I want everywhere you go. I want this world to be changed by the life within you. The transformation power of God doesn't just happen from going to church on a Sunday. As great as small groups are, it just doesn't happen through small groups. Reading God's word, as life-changing as it is, it will change you. But I'm telling you, you will take your relationship with God to a whole nother level when you say, God, I want to involve you in the process. But Lord, I want to do it according to the divine flow. I want to approach you as a father. I want to worship your name. I want to pray for what is on your heart. And God, I'm going to depend on you for everything. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? I'm trying to help you. When you live this kind of life, when you apply and start believing and having these kind of conversations with God, it changes everything. Changes everything. Because by the way, great churches, great message, great lights, incredible worship team, amazing dream team, incredible kids ministry. That will never change your life. But the presence of God will change your life for eternity. And my job as a pastor is to lead you to a place where you can experience that. And I'm just giving you things that have helped me that I've learned over my 28 years of serving the Lord that will help you in this season. Just trying to teach you how to access the power, the promises and the provision of God, trying to teach you how to have conversation with God. So then Jesus goes into what I believe is probably the hardest part of this whole approaching God. And that is, he says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The way I like to say it is, ask God for forgiveness as we are forgiving our debtors. So ask God for forgiveness and then as we're obviously forgiving other people. Now, this is huge. In fact, I would be remiss if I didn't teach you this truth because as great 
As great as many churches are, not just in this valley, but across the world, unfortunately, in this season, in our culture, many pastors are afraid to teach you this next point. They're probably afraid that many people would leave their church. But I'm not afraid because here's the thing. You're God's people. You're not mine. But I have a responsibility to stand before a holy God to teach you his word so that your life will be changed and transformed. And it's not always easy to, to, to digest. Because sometimes it's a little hard. It's always the truth. And I'm going to do my best to deliver this in the love and the grace that it deserves. But I just need you to understand where we're going here for the next moment is a little tough. Mark 11, 25, 26. Now these are Jesus's words, not mine. So please don't be upset with me. Okay, I'm just the messenger. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, when you're approaching God this way, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, here's what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to release him or her. And here's the hard part. I want you to forgive him. And if you're like me, when you first read that, it's like, wait a minute, hold up, what? I'm sorry, Jesus, I just kind of missed that. I mean, I get that you want you and I to be good and I need to be forgiven, but now you're asking me to forgive somebody else that's hurt me? I don't know about this. Why, why? So that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you and I of our own faults. Jesus goes on to say, but... You know, if you won't release, you won't walk into forgiveness and you won't forgive others, well, don't expect that your Father in heaven is going to forgive you from your misdeeds. Now, if you're like me, when I read this the very first time, I'm like, come on, God, that's not fair. Are you kidding me? The people that have said bad things, who have hurt me, people that have put me in debt, people that have wounded me emotionally, sexually, physically. God, you're telling me that in order for me to be good with you, I've also got to forgive them. I don't think so, God. That is not fair. Let's be real. This is exactly how I felt when I first read this. And then through the grace of the Holy Spirit, his wonderful patience with me. He said, Rhett, you don't want fair. I'm like, why? Because fair, Rhett, means that you would have to die, be crucified to pay for your own sins. There was nothing fair about me sending my one and only son to die on a cross to pay a penalty and a debt that you and I incurred. There's nothing fair about Jesus Christ having to be mutilated, naked on a cross, bearing your and our sins in humiliation who did nothing wrong. He was perfect. He was spotless. He was full of love and grace. Yet, he died for you and I. Why? So that we could have a relationship with a holy God. Why? Because sin could not stand before God and it took a perfect sacrifice. There's nothing fair about what Jesus went through. Forgiveness isn't about being fair. 
It's about being free. I love this quote. Louis B. Smeads, author, Christian. To forgive is to set a prisoner free. And yet to discover that the prisoner all along was you and I. Let me clarify something about this because I know this is a tough topic. I need you to understand that forgiveness isn't minimizing the offense. Forgiveness isn't saying, hey, you know what they did to you? Man, that's no big deal. No, are you kidding me? It's a huge deal. Forgiveness isn't saying, oh, you know what? It's okay. I mean, come on. I mean, they didn't mean to do it. Oh, I know. No, it was a huge deal. It's not okay. Forgiveness is not minimizing anything. In fact, forgiveness, forgiveness isn't even reconciliation. In other words, it doesn't mean that, oh, if I forgive you, then you and I have to do life together. We got to hang out and, you know, we got to be completely restored to one another and whatever that was. No, 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 no. That does not, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness simply says that this burden, this pain, this guilt, this shame that was, that has happened to me, it's not my burden to carry. In fact, it's God's. So I'm going to release that to you, God, and I'm going to allow you to handle he or she. But as for me and my house, I'm going to be free, forgiven and forgiving. I'm not saying it makes it easier, everybody, but what does make it a little bit easier to forgive somebody is when I start looking and taking inventory of my own life and I realize, wow, Rhett, you, I, I need a lot of forgiveness myself. And so because I need forgiveness, then I'm going to extend what God has given me. Now, here's the beautiful thing about salvation is the fact that uh, without God and his spirit living in you, it's impossible to do these things. But something transformative happens at a relationship with God changes. It's a miracle. And all of a sudden, now you find yourself doing things you never thought were even possible that are hard and difficult. But yet you're finding freedom by simply being obedient and walking in that. A great prayer David prayer, prayed out of Psalm 139, 23 through 24 that I would encourage you to pray when you get to this moment in your time with the Lord is search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, see, I give you permission to see if there's anything offensive in my way or in my life. And if there is, I'm simply asking you to lead me in the way of everlasting. So every day, God, when I get to this point, Father, love you, I worship your name. Lord, I pray for the lost. Give us today our daily bread. And God, I need you to search my heart. I need you to find if there's anything that stands before me and you, Lord, I don't want it to be there. And because I value our relationship, I'm asking you to just have your way in me and I give it to you, I surrender it to you. In fact, if there's anything, God, that would hinder my prayer of any kind of unforgiveness, Lord, I just, I forgive them now. And I do it through the power of Jesus, not the power of Rhett, because I can't do it, Lord. You know me, I want justice. <laughs> this is how I talk to God, if you want to know, like, it's being real. But Lord, I know, I know that you'll hand it, handle it. When I was, I was thinking back, you know, I used to have this sales job that I, I hated, but I did it anyway because I needed the money, you know. Um, so the work environment was horrible. 
And so like I had to get in the habit of forgiving people in advance. Because let's be honest, some of y'all, you're getting ready to go to work tomorrow and you know there's gonna be that person that does that thing that fires you up. Not in a good sense. <laughs> and I just learned this practice. My pastor taught me, Rhett, you just need to go ahead and say, God, I forgive that person in advance. And I'm telling you, when you show up on the job tomorrow and you've already done that, they're gonna be like, what is up with you? Man, like something's different. And then you're gonna say, yeah, it's because I forgave you before I even saw you, all right? No, please don't say that. You can think that, but don't say that, okay? <laughs> but that's the truth. <laughs> It'll change your life. <laughs> Here's the beauty, Psalm 32, one through two. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience, whose sin is forgiven. What joy, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Come on, somebody, amen. amen. I hope this is helping you this morning. I hope it's helping you. Then Jesus leads us to this part, which... Which honestly, this next portion, um, I wasn't so good at when I first gave my heart to Jesus. You know, I was new in my faith. I was zealous. I was like, God, I love you. You freed me from this stuff and I'm experiencing joy. And, but I didn't know how to pray. I didn't like, it's all these things, right? So I've learned this. You're getting a 28-year journey, okay, today. I'm giving you kind of a 25,000-foot view of taking your first step towards that. And so, but I, I just need you to understand the importance of how important this is for transforming your life, your family, your situations, and our world. Jesus says, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, time out for a second. I just need you to understand something. <laughs> this is not the best translation. And they're like, well, how is it not? Why would it even be in the Bible? Well, sometimes, sometimes as smart as people are, we can just say, you know, put things and word things in a way that aren't particularly that like what it's honestly saying. And so let me show this to you. The do not lead us into temptation part. I need you to know this truth. God doesn't lead anybody into temptation. He is a holy God. Sin cannot stand in his presence. In fact, James chapter one, 13 through 14, for you extra note takers, it says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God, does, he doesn't do the tempting. So then what is it really saying? Well, if you look at the phrases and the words that were used in the Greek, what it's really saying is that when you are tempted, God, don't allow me to yield to it. He's saying, God, I recognize today that the devil has an agenda for my life. And when I begin to recognize that and begin to see some of the lies that he's trying to breathe my way, and I have the opportunity to maybe to bite into that apple, if you will, God, don't allow me to yield to that. Give me the wisdom to walk away from that, to run from it, to flee from it. This is what it's saying. It's what Jesus is saying. And in case you forgot, you and I have an enemy. This world has an enemy. His name is Satan, Lucifer. He was kicked out of heaven, why? Because he wanted to be worshiped in place of God, the pride came into his life. He and a third of the angels fell. And he is on an all out assault and trying to annihilate you and I. Why? Because when he sees us, guess who he sees? He sees God. And he's trying to get at God, so he's trying to get at you. Why? Because you are created in the image and likeness of God Almighty. And he's trying to work overtime to destroy your life, to destroy your family, destroy your future. And because of this, I need you to understand what Jesus is trying to tell us. Number six, fill in the blank, write this down. Don't miss this. Engage in spiritual warfare. It's time for you and I 
to get beyond this little, I'm just going to go to church, sing my three songs, be inspired, go back to my normal living, all hell breaks loose, go back to church, repeat the process and nothing changes. At some point, as men and women of God, and I mean this with much love and respect and grace, at some point it's time for us to grow up a little bit and to recognize that God's given us some responsibilities. God is fighting for you. Remember what Pastor Danny said? He's fighting for you, but he ain't gonna fight without you. All these things we're complaining about in the world today aren't gonna change unless we learn the art of engaging in spiritual warfare. Pastor, are you really telling me there's demonic forces in this world? Like you are trying to make this thing sound like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, like we're the Avengers and there's Thanos or something. Well, don't take my word for it. Look at this, Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. For our struggle, your struggle, my struggle, check it out, is not against the person you're mad at. It's not against your boss. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against the contractors. It's not, no, 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 no. Your struggle's not against people. What's it against? Well, it's against the rulers the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, if that exists, and by friends, it does exist, then here's the question. What do we do? What do we do? You ready? We engage in spiritual warfare. So every day I lift high the name of Jesus. Why? Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Look at this. Therefore, God exalted him. Who's him? Jesus. God exalted Jesus to the highest place. And he gave Jesus the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So how do we apply this in our life? Well, this is how I do it and how I've learned to do it. And I want to teach you to do it the same way. God, in this moment, I lift high the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is Lord in heaven, in earth and under the earth and in the heavenly realms. And so what I do now, Father, in the name of Jesus is I come against the spirit in the heavenly realms of addiction. And I ask it to bow at the feet of Jesus Christ. It has no power, it has no authority in my life, in this state, in our leaders, in this nation. God, I come against the spirit of pornography that's trying to rip apart our families, that's trying to rip apart our kids. God, I come against the spirit of pornography in the name of Jesus, and it has to bow, and it has to flee by the authority that is in Christ's name and Christ alone. I come against depression. I come against suicide. I come against depression. I come against anger. I come against this divorce. I come against COVID-19 and all the different variants. I come against it in the name of Jesus. Spirit, you have to bow at the name of Christ because all authority rests in the name that is above every name. And you have to bow. You have to flee. You have no place in my life, in my family, in my finances, in my home, in my health in this country, in this world, in the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to fire you up, but I am trying to get you to see the passion, the intensity. We are in a war. We're on the winning end. We know the end of the story. We win. But my friends, you and I are in a battle for our souls, for our life, for our family, for everything. And we cannot sit by and do nothing. We have to stop posting and start praying. We have to involve him in the process. It'll transform your life. 
It'll transform your world. Why? Because there's power in his name. There's power in his presence. There's power in our God. I love this statement. Leonard Ravenhill, prayer is not a preparation for the battle. It is the battle. I need us to understand 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 3 through 5. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. No, on the contrary, the weapons we fight with are prayer. They have divine power. Come on, everybody say power. power. They have divine power to do what? To demolish strongholds. To demolish the fortified prison of the lies that we have believed as a nation, as a world, as a people, in our family and in our identities. We have the power through prayer to demolish it. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. How? By proclaiming the word of God that is alive and active over our lives. These scriptures are in your note, but you need to know that no weapon formed against you will prosper. You need to know that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ in the word of the testimony you have as a man or woman of God. You need to come to understand that the word of God teaches that if the enemy tries to come at you as a child of God in one direction, the promise of God says, if he comes at you in one direction, he has to flee in seven. Why? Because greater is the living God in you and in me than he that's in the world. Can I get an amen, somebody? We've got to get to the place where we invite God in the process. When we have a part to play, we got to rise up. We got to take back what is ours. This isn't a time to play church anymore. This isn't a time to play religion. This, isn't a, this is a time for warfare in every aspect. Samuel Chadwick, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. <laughs> Do you see that? Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies. Y'all just keep doing your little studies, prayerless work. Y'all just keep doing that. Prayerless religion. Y'all just keep doing that. No, no. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when, when we pray, when we know how to pray and we connect to God's truth that Jesus Christ laid out for us in this divine flow. And so I'm just saying, let it be said of us. It's for me and my house that when I pray, chains are broken. Let it be said of us, One Life Church, that when we pray, freedom is found. Let it be said of us, One Life Church, that when we pray, the lost are saved. Let it be said of us that when we pray, our prayers are powerful and effective. Change our life in the world just trying to talk to you today about how to have a conversation with God that would change your life that would change your world at the end of the day we have to take the steps we have to apply this in our life Jesus ends it so beautifully and he kind of puts the bow on it he says hey when you end your prayer time with the Lord if that's two, three, four, five minutes or 15 minutes whatever it may look like end it this way for yours God is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, just begin to express faith in God's ability. It's not your ability. It's not your words. It's not how much you think you know scripture or don't. It's about a heart that says, you know what? God, I'm just coming to you as I am. And I'm just, this is all about you. So it's not my kingdom. It's not my purpose, not my plan. It's not my power. It's all yours. 
It's all yours. It's about you. And I love this verse, Revelation 5, 13, we'll close. To him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb, to the, who's it referring to? To Jesus, the lamb of God. Be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. And everybody said amen. Amen. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? I wanna pray for you. God, I thank you for your presence in this room today. Lord, it is our heart's desire as men and women of God to draw close to you. Lord, we, we recognize that, Lord, there's a lot that could change in our own life, in our own situations, and even in this world, if we would just simply involve you in the process. And God, I pray today as we've learned from what Jesus taught us, which honestly reveals your truth and your love to us and how you wanna do life with us and have conversations with us. God, I pray as this truth is revealed to us that we would hide it within our hearts and God, that we'd begin to take some simple next steps of maybe applying it even in the most practical way every day of our lives. Because we understand that prayer shouldn't be our last resort. It should always be our first response to you. Because if we'll seek first the kingdom, and your word says, all the other things will be added to us. So if my people will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, the byproduct is God said he will not only forgive our sin, but he will heal our land. He'll change our lives and he'll change the world. How? Through us, one life at a time. So Lord, we... We recognize this truth, we submit to this truth, and we, Lord, we ask that you restore to us the passion, restore to us the joy of our salvation, restore to us the hope, God, that we have in you that sometimes this world tries to suck out of us. And I'm praying that every single person in this room and in online would begin to feel your presence in such a powerful way of experiencing your love like a blanket comforting them now in this moment, how much you love them. Now, before we close, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room, and when I was talking about connecting with God relationally, it's like that first step. Some of you are like, well, that's the, that's the thing, Pastor. I don't have a relationship with God. I need one. I want one. What does that look like? Well, I've got some good news for you. It's real easy. It comes by simply believing in who? In Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's here today. He does not condemn you, but he is drawing you by his spirit to have, for, for you to have a relationship with him, to experience life, hope, and to have your name written in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, which is in heaven. And when your name is written in that book by believing in Christ, you, my friend, are saved for eternity. And so if you're here today and you want to experience salvation, could, could I encourage you to be so bold? I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I'd love to know who I'm praying for. Would you be so bold to raise your hand right now all across this room? Let me know who you are online. Click the button. Let us know. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Would everybody say this prayer out loud? Just say, God, thank you for loving me. In fact, say this, God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I put my faith and trust and hope in you today. I give you my life. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. And I pray this, say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to empower me, to fill me, to help me make a difference in this life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together today for those who made a decision to follow Jesus? Come on, put your hands together.